Welcome to the teaching ministry of pastors Carl and Cheryl Thomas. Our favorite verse is Habakkuk 2.14, for the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Consumed by that revelation, we are committed to recognizing, resourcing, and releasing high-impact ministries resulting in global glory, transforming lives to impact their world. We have a teaching that will impact you today. Now, let's get right into that word. All right, look, I want to talk to you about why I follow Jesus. All right, so I'm going to, I'm going to do this really quickly. Can you say quickly? All right, quickly, Pastor, why I follow Jesus. All right, look at why I follow Jesus. So if you, if you read the Gospels, the history books, read all about Jesus, you can only come to one conclusion, and that conclusion is that Jesus is highly relational. So he really is highly relational. I mean, his stories about people, his stories, and as he talks about the Father, he tells us about the Heavenly Father, he tells us stories about him, all right? So you're just got to click a couple slides. There you go. There's another one right there. Boom. Right there. So Jesus is highly relational. He says, I want to tell you about the Father. I mean, the whole aspects of God are highly personal. I mean, they're so personal, it's, it's family, and he wants to bring you in. So John 1.12 says, but to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. Like, not parts of a group or parts of an organization, but you're children of God. We're invited into a highly relational, personal, and intimate relationship with Almighty God. So, and that's, that's it right there. To all who believe him, and accept him. Because when you believe the message and you just accept that he is who he is in your life, then that's really good. And it says we get to become the children of God. So it's highly relational. Matthew 9, verse 9, Matthew 9, 9 says, and Jesus passed on from there and he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office. Now Matthew is a chief tax collector. And when it talks about, you know, it says the sinners came to him and the tax collectors. So when he said the sinners came and the tax collectors, that means the tax collectors had their own category of sinners. I mean, they, they, it wasn't, you had sinners, there's all the things you can crop in as sin, and then tax collectors. So they were like the worst of the worst. So, but he was one of them. So Jesus is walking along and he's picking his disciples and he goes to the tax office and he gets one of the cheap tax officers and says, I want you to follow me. I want you to be a part of my tribe. I want you to be, be a disciple. I mean, everybody must have been going, pick again. I mean, what are you thinking? But look what he said. And he said to him, follow me. Say, follow me. That's what he said. He said, follow me. And Matthew got up, he rose up, and he followed him. Pretty amazing stuff. He followed him. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 19 to 20, he turned to these fishermen. He's there, and he ministered, and he taught. They had this miraculous catch of fish in a parallel gospel. And Peter's like, get away from me, man. I mean, you are, you are not the kind of guy. Peter was always like the top guy in his relationships. He was like the alpha male in the relationship. But when Jesus came, he went, oh, my goodness, I got nothing to trade with you. You're way too amazing for me. I can't reciprocate in the relationship. But Jesus said, you don't have to do anything. He said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So he said that to these fishermen. He said, follow me. Say, follow me. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left everything, left their jobs, everything they had, and they followed him. So it's the same message everywhere in the word of God to everybody. Jesus' message was, follow me. 
That's what it is. So follow me, all right? That's the same message to every single person. Follow me. Now, the Pharisee message, what they were used to hearing and what they heard all the time was if you change, you can join us. If you change, if you would do all these things, they put rule after rule, not just the Ten Commandments, not just the Law of Moses, but they added to it hundreds of other rules. And they said, if you obey these rules, you can be a part of the club. But that's not what Jesus was. So they were changing. You can join us. But Jesus was, join me, and you can change. Jesus was, come to me, follow me, and I will make you. Just follow me, and I will make you. Can anybody follow? Yes, and it's the same message. No matter who you are or where you've come from or what you've been involved in, you can be the worst of sinners, like in their day, a tax collector, awful stuff. Doesn't matter where you are or who you are. Doesn't matter if you think you're the most special, righteous person in the world. The message to you is still, follow me. Because you got to follow him and he will make you. So why I follow Jesus? I'm going to give you three reasons that I follow Jesus. I'm going to give you number one. You ready? Number one, my parents told me to. Amen. I mean, right there. I mean, I didn't have a choice. I mean, I was on drugs at a very young age. Very young age, my parents drugged me to Bible study. They drugged me to prayer meetings. They drugged me to church twice on Sunday. They drugged me to Bible studies. I mean, man, I was, my parents had me on drugs real early in life. But I didn't have a choice. I mean, that was the way, that's what we did. That's what we did. I love, and he taught Paul talking to Timothy. He says, I remember the genuine faith that is in you, which first dwelt in your grandmother, and then in your mother Lois, and then it also has manifested. I'm persuaded it's in you. I'm from a generational line of preachers. My grandpappy were preachers. My dad was a preacher, and I'm now a carpenter. So it's awesome. I'm a preacher. I don't know what happened. The other day, I was saying to Cheryl while we we're driving because we we're doing the Why series, Why, and all this stuff. And then I said, Why am I a preacher? Like, why am I doing this? There's some days where you really ask that question, big and bold. Why am I doing this? You know. And uh, she said, Because your dad said so. And I said, That's probably true. You know, one day I came home from work, and my dad said, You just sold your house. You got a bunch of money. You should use all that. Go down to the states and, and get an education, be a preacher. I went, huh? I thought maybe I won't get accepted, but I applied and they accepted me. And I realized later to get accepted, you just needed a pulse. And I had a pulse. <laughs> so I thought somehow they'll say no and I'll get to stay in my life. And it was just a bit odd. So, so sometimes, you know, sometimes you don't have a really big motivation to get into the will of God for your life. Sometimes it's just, uh, like you look at the book of Luke. The book of Luke, here's what he says. He says, it seemed like a good idea for me to write this. I mean, it's a gospel. Holy Spirit inspired gospel. And here's Luke's inspiration. Uh, seems like a good idea. My dad said, you should go to Bible class. Uh, seems like a good idea. Anyway, there you go. Number one. Here's the number one reason I follow Jesus. My parents told me to. I, I didn't have a choice. I grew up born again. I call that a maguba. A gooba. Grew up born again. I'm a gooba. Any goobas here today? Get in, can I get an amen from the goobas? Yeah. I know all the Sunday school lessons. I know all the stories. I know it all because I'm a gooba. Woo. Let me give you number two. Number two, I needed help. Even though, you know, my parents drugged me and took me to church and all that, I, I successfully screwed up my life, got in some bad places, crazy places, and I realized that, you know what, if I'm really going to do this life, and when I looked at the stuff that I could get myself into, 
On my own, it's pretty messy. And what I'm able to do in my own ability was pretty ugly. And the person that I had become, I didn't even like. And I realized I need help. And John 6, 26, Jesus replied. He said, I tell you the truth. If you want to be with me because I fed you, he said, that's because you haven't understood the miracles. Now, that was kind of where I was, though. I needed help. I needed somebody to touch my life. I was messed up. I needed somebody to help me to turn the corner. Anybody else? Anybody else come to Jesus because you realize, I need help. I mean, I need some help. If you don't think you need help, then you're self-righteous, whatever. It's, you know, it says, it says, all my righteousness is filthy rags. You know, so you know, your righteousness doesn't get you anywhere. Even if you've lived the most perfect life to your ability and to your understanding, you still have to accept Jesus because only through Jesus can you have a relationship with the Father. Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. So that relationship with the Father is exclusively found through Jesus. And every one of us here, whether you screwed up your life or you didn't, trust me, Jesus is the only way. He is it. And he, he calls himself, though, he says, I'm a door. I'm like a door. So how easy is that? Has anybody opened a door recently? Like Jesus has come to me, I'm the door. Anyone who enters in, they have life. So you know what, if you can use a door, you can accept Jesus and you can become a child of God. It's that easy. And you know what, I really needed help. I totally screwed up and I needed help. I needed somebody to bring satisfaction into my life and I found Jesus. But every one of us need help. And that's one reason to follow Jesus, because you really need help. But in John 6, these people saw miracles. They saw the feeding of the 5,000, and they saw all these wonderful things, and they kept running after Jesus. And every time he'd cross over the lake, they'd run around the lake to the other side. And when Jesus ran into these folks, he said, man, it's you folks again. He said, the sad thing is, that the truth is, you want to be with me because I fed you. And that's the only reason you want to be with me. Why is that the only reason? And you know, I don't come to Jesus anymore just because I have needs, although I do have needs. I don't just need him. I want him. And so I came to him because, you know, my parents told me to. And I came to him, and every single person has to come to him because you need help. But I'll give you another reason. I'll give you another reason. Third thing is I follow him because I realized who he is. I realized who he is. And when I began to get a revelation of who he is, and I didn't just need him to help me through my life and just get me through the day, Jesus. Jesus, take the wheel. I mean, there was way more than that. When I realized who he was, that's so amazing. In Mark 16, 16, Simon Peter answered, and he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. I mean, that is so incredible. When he got that revelation, Jesus got so excited because he said, this is what I'm going to build my church in. I'm going to build my church on people who have a working revelation of who I am. I am, and because they know who I am, they know who they are, and they can fully embrace the purpose for which God has called them. So I followed him because mom and dad said so. I followed him because I needed help, but now I'm following him because I know who he is. I know what he's done, and I know who I am in light of that revelation, and that gives me a drive and a passion to follow hard after him because I have been called to an incredible purpose and an incredible life. So God's not looking for a crowd of dependence, he came to restore us to our place of authority. And he wants us to get back to the place where we reign and rule in life and bring about and manifest the goodness of his kingdom. Amen. So why are you following? Mom and dad told you to? Good reason. Because you need him? You absolutely do. But you should get a revelation of why he's invaded your life. And when you realize who he is, that'll explode in your heart and in your life. And it'll give you a greater passion to follow him. Let me show you this right here. Romans 5, 17. For if any, for if by one man's offense, death reigned through the one, much more. Say much more. 
How many know the reign of death is pretty big? So the much more means way bigger than what you're seeing, way bigger than the evil and the pain and the hurt, way bigger than what happened because of the fall and the reign of Satan and his moronic life. Here it is, much, much more than that. If you've received the abundance of grace and the gift, say gift. When is a gift not a gift? When you earn it or when it's forced upon you. How did you get your righteousness? Righteousness is a gift. You can't do anything to add to it. You plain and simple just have to surrender. Okay, I'm righteous. I receive. Isn't that great? I love that. Because I tried to be righteous. And I kept trying to be righteous. And I kept falling on my head. And then he said, you don't have to try. Just receive it. I went, I don't know how to receive. I turned even receiving into a work. But he said, just believe me, trust me. And the more I trust to say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. And you know when it's really hard to say that? When you're not behaving like it. You know when it's really hard to say? When you just did the most royal screw up ever, and then you stand back up and say, I am the righteousness of Christ. <laughs> no, you're not. I am. That's when faith enters into your life, when you know you've screwed up, but you know he never screws up, and what he declared you, no one can ever take away. So good. But you see, when you receive the abundance of grace, that's why I love that song, grace washes over me. Man, I love grace. When you receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, you'll reign in life. You'll reign in life. When you get a revelation of all he's done for you, when you receive who you are in him, you literally begin to reign in life. You don't, you don't begin to keep going, I need you again. I need you again. You know, you step into a place of stop being needy and start recognize the lesson of the miraculous. The lesson of the miraculous is he wants you to enter into a partnership of a supernatural miraculous life. He wants you to take that grace, that abundance, and the gift of righteousness, and now he wants you to take the Christ in you and manifest his kingdom all over the earth. He doesn't want you to be a receiver anymore. He wants you to be a conduit of the flow of God's miraculous goodness because the miracles were to teach you that this is the way you can live. This is the way you can operate. You don't step into just living from miracle to miracle. You live in a place of performing miracle after miracle in the partnership of the Holy Ghost. Is he now, I, I don't, I do need him. And I, my parents were right. I need to follow him. But I recognize who I am in him now. And it is a delight to follow him and be everything he's called me to be. Thank you, pastor. All right, I'm going to go really fast. I'm almost done. Isn't that good? First Corinthians 1 Corinthians 1.9, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Jesus Christ, our Lord. Our Lord, he is faithful who called us in the fellowship of his son. Here's the description, his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Our savior, our anointed redeemer, and our Lord. You know what? He is my God. He is God, and he is my God. There's a lot of people who know him as Jesus. Oh, my Savior, my Jesus, my, my lovely, sweet Savior. Thank you for loving me. Isn't that wonderful? There's others who know him as Jesus Christ. They know the operations of the anointing. They know how to operate in, in, in gifts. And they know that health and prosperity and blessings and all these things are there. And they understand the revelation of the Christ. And they understand what it is to be in him and to operate in all those things. But then there's other people who go even beyond that and say, you know, none of that even matters. I want to step into the place where you are the Lord of my life. 
I want to step past being a taker. I want to step past being a needy person. I want to step past just being someone who's trying to manifest Jesus Christ. I want to be someone who manifests every moment of my life that Jesus is Lord of all. And that's a big deal. It's a really big deal. And let me, let me challenge you just a little bit. Wrapping up. Say, wrapping up, Pastor. All right, wrapping up. John 4, the whole chapter of John 4, just going to read a little bit of it, all right? He said he needed to go through Samaria. He needed to go. Say, he needed to go. Now, Samaria, there was Judea, Samaria, and Galilee. Now, he wanted to go to Galilee, but he was in Judea. So he needed to go through Samaria. Jews never went through Samaria. They went around Samaria up to Galilee because they were taught... They were taught to avoid Samaritans, avoid them at all costs because they're worse than Gentiles and don't have anything to do with them. You hang out with them, go near them. What an unclean act. And so Jesus, though, he needed to go through Samaria. All the disciples are saying, we got some alternate routes. Got some really nice hotels on the other side of the river. I mean, we should go that way. I've stayed there a few times, really nice. Jesus said, no, I need to go through Samaria. So they go through Samaria. So they come to the city in Samaria, which is called Sychar, and near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat on the well, and it was about noon. It was about noon. It was the middle of the day. Six o'clock would have been noon, the middle of the day. So at noon, this woman came out to draw water, and she was a woman who'd had seven husbands, and the guy she's living with now was probably her pimp. Now she was, you know, nobody wanted her anymore, so she's probably living with some guy who's just pimping her out, putting a roof over her head. And the reason she goes at lunch to get water is because she doesn't want to see any other women in the city because she knows what that'll look like. So she goes in the heat of the day and gets water because she doesn't want to see anybody. And sure enough, she comes to get water. She's walked all that way. I need to get water, but look at this. There's a rabbi, a Jewish guy. What is he doing? And he's sitting on the well. Like if he's over here under a tree, that's one thing. I go, oh, the guy over the tree, I hope he doesn't bug me. But he's not sitting under a tree. He's sitting on the well. Like I can go back or what can I do? You know what? I got to get water. I'm here. I got to get water. So, you know, he can see the dilemma in her and he says, what are you doing? Can you give me a drink? You're asking me for a Jew? Asking a woman, a Samaritan woman for a drink? They go through this whole dialogue, but Jesus reads her mail, talks about her life, tells them who she is, and she recognizes that Jesus is the Messiah. Fantastic journey, fantastic story. I want to give you in this story just three results of following Jesus. You ready? Number one, if you're going to follow Jesus, you're going to find yourself walking towards things you usually avoid. We're talking about lordship here. We're talking about he really is the Lord of my life. And see, these disciples have to follow Jesus. And so he's going to take them now into a place that all their life they've been told to avoid. And so here it is. Jesus is taking them through Samaria. They're all freaking out. And then they get to a city in Samaria. And Jesus says, hey, you know what, guys? I'm going to stay here. Why don't you go into town and go into the market in town, a Jew amongst all the Samaritans, and speak with the people, interact with the people, and get me some lunch. Oh! If you're following Jesus, he's going to walk you into the things that you avoid. He's going to walk you into them physically, and he's going to walk you into them personally, and he's going to do it because he refuses to leave you as you are. How many are totally comfortable with where they are right now? I'm digging me right now, got my stuff worked out, feeling pretty good. Just me? Okay. <laughs> This is something that God seems to constantly do with me. It's there, I'm constantly, things that I would rather avoid, suddenly I find myself in the middle of. 
And it's because God wants to deal with those things because sometimes the reason you're avoiding that is because there's something unconquered in your own life. And often the most, the greatest missionary territory in the whole world is the hearts of believers. And some of that territory really needs to be taken. And the way God takes that very often is by making you take walks to places that you don't want to go. Making you face the things that you've been avoiding all your life. Maybe you're avoiding a person. Maybe you're avoiding a place. A lot of bad stuff happened for me in Peterborough. Got to go to Peterborough this week, and I hate that city. The only time I like Peterborough is when it's in my rearview mirror. There's times, places, things. Sometimes you can attach things to stuff. There's people, there's events. There's places even in your history, things in your life that happen that you're avoiding. Things that you've decided, I don't like that anymore. I'm opposed to that. And so you avoid it with everything in you. Somebody offends you or freaks you out, you put up a sign, avoid. It's amazing how God won't let you do that because if he's the Lord of your life, there's no avoiding in the kingdom. My wife's tapping the watch. Okay, so anyways, Jesus walks you in there. What are you avoiding on the inside or out? Number two, number two, if you're walking with Jesus, you'll find yourself walking towards things you don't understand. You will. If he's the Lord of your life, I mean, if you haven't had this happen for a long time, he might be Jesus Christ. I don't know if he's the Lord. Because, you know, when he's the Lord of your life, you'll find yourself walking into situations that you don't understand. And you might have it all worked out and figured out, and this is the way, you know, my mom used to say something, used to really, I used to have fun with her, because she'd say, well, Carl, I like to believe. And he used to always entertain me, because I'm sure you do like that, mom. But I like to believe a lot of stuff, too, but what's truth, and what's real, and what's God really doing today? So I like to believe a lot of things, and I like to believe I've got all my duckies in a row. But you know what I'm finding is the more I go along with him, he is confronting things in me, he's confronting opinions and values that I have, and he's making me go to places that I want to avoid, and he's bringing me into situations that I don't understand. Because when they came up, they marveled. It says that word is they were surprised, they were shocked, and they were astonished. Like Jesus, we just went through one of the most frustrating experiences in our life. We had to buy food at a Sumerian market for you. And then we come back and it's like, ah, he's talking to a prostitute. A Samaritan prostitute. Oh, my God. Hey, Jesus. What's up? But it says all of them wanted to ask, what are you doing? But nobody did. But they were all absolutely, totally astonished. Have you been in a place where you're astonished? Has God brought you into places where you're going, what am I doing here? I don't understand. I don't like this. Beep, beep, beep. Get me out. You know, if he's going to be the Lord of your life, you're going to find yourself in those situations. He's not going to let you pack stuff down. He's not going to let ignorance reign in your heart and your life. Give me number three. Number three, we'll find ourselves walking into a greater capacity to express his unconditional love. That's what you find. See, because they went through Samaria when they were taught to avoid it. But the reason they did that is because there's going to come a day when I'm going to give you a commission. And you know what the commission's going to include? It's going to include Samaria. I need to take you through here. I need to bring you to a place where you confront these things because there's a day where you're going to go and you're going to be my witness and you're going to be my witness in all of Judea and Samaria. What is Samaria to you? What is Samaria in your life? What are those awkward, uncomfortable places? What are those aspects of culture and society that you would just rather avoid than actually step in the middle of that situation? 
See, if he's the Lord of your life, you're going to find yourself walking into places you've been avoiding. You're going to find yourself walking into places where you don't understand what's going on right now, but he'll reveal it to you. But he's doing it on purpose because you know what? He wants you to have a greater capacity to express his unconditional love. And that's got to happen. You shall be my witnesses to Jerusalem. I'm good with that. Judea, I'm good with that. Samaria, <laughs> and the uttermost parts of the earth. His capacity to love has no limitations. This is my last slide. Do we on a daily basis feel the limitations of our capacity to express God's love are being challenged? Because God is love, and our, our commission is to love. I mean, they're going to know we're believers because we love one another. And you see, is the limitations on my capacity to be loved and love, is it being challenged every day? If that's so, then you will find a life of God and the power to reign and rule will be enlarged in your life. Because those who receive the abundance of his grace and the gift of righteousness, they will reign in life through Christ Jesus the Lord. Amen. Let me pray for you right now. Can you stand up? Why do I follow Jesus? Mom and dad said so. Because I really, really need him. And because you know what? Now that I know who he is and who I am in him, it is a privilege to partner with his purpose. Maybe you're here today and you've never had that opportunity. You've avoided this conversation. You've avoided this situation. Well, you know what? He loves you. You might think you wandered in or came with family or some other reason. But you know what? You're here today. And it's an opportunity where God wants to become Jesus Christ the Lord for you. And if you're here today and you've never said, it says, to those who accept and believe his word and they accept him to them, he gives the right to become a child of God. If you've never believed and accepted him and become a child of God, you can do that right now and I want to ask you to do that I'm just gonna ask everybody bow your heads believers you're praying your eyes are closed now listen I'm talking to every one of you if you've never made that decision to make him the Lord of your life to accept him as Jesus your Savior and as the Christ who blesses you in every way if you've never done that I want you to do it today and you're gonna do it simply you're gonna put up your hand you're gonna raise it really high and we're gonna pray with you all right it's really easy and you're gonna know when to raise your hand because I'm gonna count to three are you ready when I say three you got to raise your hand and we're to pray with you. Here it is. You ready? One, two, three. Just lift up your hand really high and say, I want you to pray with me. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? You can still raise your hand really high. That's great. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, you can put your hands down though, but I want you to pray with me, okay? Let's all pray together. Everybody pray this prayer. And you've raised your hand. Pray this prayer. And in this prayer, you're declaring, I believe you and I accept you. And I want to be a part of that intimate relationship with the Father. So here we go. Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. That you gave yourself for me. That you took my sin and everything that separates me from the Father. I thank you that today I am forgiven, I am healed, and I am free. I confess that you are Jesus Christ the Lord so come into my heart fill me with your Holy Spirit I declare that I am a child of God in Jesus name amen wow that's good stuff right there isn't that good stuff now you put up your hand I got something to say not everybody had their eyes closed a couple people in the back were looking 
And the reason they were looking is because of people like Michael who want to make sure you didn't just make a decision, but you're going to be discipled in the goodness of God. So somebody might tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, can I talk with you? But it's a good thing. What you just did, you didn't join a church. And we're not asking you to join our church. But you did join and you become one with the Father, become one with the Son and one with the Holy Ghost. And it's a beautiful thing. 